Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Motley Fool. The best place to find great talent for your hiring needs is LinkedIn. In fact, 70% of the U.S. workforce is already on LinkedIn. For a $50 credit towards your first job post, visit linkedin.com slash fool. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today, we're talking energy and industrials. It's Thursday, the 7th of June, and we are discussing the Trans Mountain Pipeline drama and a little bit about OPEC too. Mm-hmm. I'm your host, Sarah Priestley, and joining me in the studio is Motley Fool Canada Premium Analyst, Taylor McCormick. Taylor, welcome back to the studio. It's been too long. I know. A few weeks have gone by since we last <laughs> joined each other here. You've been traveling, you've hiked, you've done all kinds of things. The caps are in the playoffs. Let's yeah, I'm not. I, that doesn't really matter to me, but I know Austin behind the glass is probably uh, <laughs> freaking out, not even remembering what happens until tomorrow evening. <laughs> um, I have to tell you that we had our full fest last yeah. week, mm-hmm. which is our kind of annual festival for all our members. And uh, a lady came up to me. I didn't ask her for a name, which was very rude. I should have asked, but she did say that you have a lovely voice. So there you go. That's interesting because Dan Boyd has told me the exact opposite. So, <laughs> so you have an expert. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so big news from Canada. Uh, the pipeline company Kinder Morgan uh, pan- on the planned expansion of the Trans Mountain Pipeline, which takes crude oil from Alberta's oil sands to British west of British Columbia. Mm-hmm. The pipeline expansion had faced an awful lot of opposition, and we talked about it on the show before, um, but a lot of opposition from indigenous groups and municipal governments, namely those of Vancouver. Uh, a lot of fev- federal challenges were mounted against the expansion project, and this halted construction on multiple occasions, and it just caused a huge amount of political upset in Canada. I won't you know, pretend to know mm-hmm. <laughs> about the politics side of it, but Alberta's premier earlier this year ordered a cease on future imports of wine from British British Columbia uh, as they had imposed a sanction uh, on increasing imports of oil yep. from Alberta. So you, you're kind of seeing this whole scenario uh, worsening. And Kinder Morgan, the pipeline owner and operator, of um, the Trans Mountain Pipeline suspended all non-essential activity on April 8th of this year. Um, And the company stated it didn't want to put shareholders at risk on the remaining project spend. And at the end of May, I think, I think it was the 28th or 29th, the company announced that it's made a deal with the government uh, in Canada to buy the project. So the Canadian government will buy the existing Trans Mountain Pipeline and the planned expansion project uh, from Kinder Morgan's um, subsidiary, which is Kinder Morning Canada Limited uh, for 4.5 billion Canadian dollars, 3.5 billion US dollars, and the cash deal should close later this year. So huge news. Yeah, it is very they, shocking. They've already invested 1.1 billion, so mm-hmm. they they got that back and and then some. Um, colleague uh, from Motley Fool Pro Canada, Jim Gillies, called this Christmas come early for Kinder Morgan investors. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically removing this headache, this multi-year headache, and reimbursing them for the money that they basically thought was a sunk cost if they didn't move forward with this project. Uh, but there's still some, you know, some question marks as to who buys this. Uh, will it eventually still go through? Uh, Seven point four billion dollars was the associated cost that was expected for this entire project, and uh, that's why they backed out of it because they'd only spent you know one point one billion and. The horizon was, like you said, very uncertain, and mm-hmm. they they quoted unquantifiable risk based on the ongoing efforts of the British Columbian government to kind of block this project that the rest of the country seems to believe is quite necessary. Yes. And um, some, some background on the pipeline. It's the only pipeline system in North America that transports 
both crude oil and refined products from to the West Coast, mm-hmm. uh, both in Canada, and then I think that there's some in Washington State too. Yeah, the, I believe uh, you're a right, refinery yeah. in Washington State, um, and it's been going on for the expansion project has been going on uh, for a long time. I was going to say in the pipeline, but that would just be you know too much. Um, I think they filed initially the application for it uh, in 2013 with the Canadian National Energy Board. Um, 610 miles of pipe. It runs roughly parallel to the existing one. Um, and then in November 2016, the federal government in Canada approved the expansion project. Mm-hmm. You know, it said it was subject to 157 binding conditions that will address potential, you know, various impacts of the project. But it was approved, and then Kinder Morgan proceeded with a lot of the startup costs that are associated with getting a project of this magnitude yes. off the ground, uh, only to have repeated interruptions essentially for permitting issues and a lot of um, concerns raised with the federal government that actually halted them. So as you said, definitely good for Kinder Morgan investors. Really smart move on Kinder Morgan's part. I have no idea how they managed to negotiate that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> well, I think it was just a matter of, as Trump would like to say in the situation, it's a matter of national security almost yes. for Canada. Yes. So. Um, yeah, I know that two of Kinder Morgan's executives, I think the president and vice president, are getting paid a $1.5 million bonus. Uh, paid over two years mm-hmm. if, if this, you know, wow. for, for negotiating yeah. this. A lot of people were balking at that, but I don't think that's pretty, that's that's not that unusual yeah, for something no, at this scale. Especially with the scale of this. And, and Jim also did some math because this is a recommendation in uh, mm-hmm. Motley Fool Pro Canada for almost since the beginning of the portfolio. Um, and he basically did some math and, and stripped out the estimated future revenue and earnings from this pipeline if it had been built, along with the $1.1 billion that they'd already spent. And he came out to roughly around $800 million of excess capital outside of the discounted cash flows from this pipeline that would that would have been expected. So um, a nice little windfall mm-hmm. for, for this company. And if you'd strip out the Few billion, a few million, excuse me, that they paid those executives for negotiating this. You're still left with darn near eight hundred million dollars in excess compensation. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of how this is going to affect Kinder Morgan going forward, because a lot of people are looking that at this and thinking, you know, they had this, they had this backlog of mm-hmm. about twelve billion in expansion projects, um, of which this was about five billion of that mm-hmm. of that plan. Uh, what's that going to do for their they look at their annual revenue because obviously they invest in these. They invest a lot of money mm-hmm. upfront in these um, high-cost, capital-intensive projects to get the very safe re- annual returns. Sure. Uh, and now they're going to miss out on those annual returns. So, what's the plan for the company? Yeah, I think. Well, you look at this company, and uh, over the last few years, debt has been a big problem for them. So, I certainly could foresee some of this being used to pay down that debt and maybe you know arrive at a more sustainable level to then start addressing maybe a higher dividend payment, um, which is what this company, that was their long-time story, was the, the dividend yield that they were able to provide on a, on a relatively stable basis. So maybe they can accelerate that process, or maybe they maybe now the, the this project, because you know this has been a big headache for them, a big point of a uh, big attention grabber for management. So maybe it frees them up a little bit mentally, and they can go find other areas uh, of either Canada or North America that they can build a similar project, or you know spend some of that cash that they that they just received on growth. But they still do have growth opportunities, and uh, I don't think paying down debt would be the worst use of this cash. Yes, absolutely. And you're exactly right, CEO Steve Keen. Um, 
I was just looking at some of his comments. He said uh, they will continue to find investment opportunities. And the past year, the company secured 2.1 billion of new projects. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they're focused much more on the smaller, higher return yes. projects. Um, but and, and for good reason, as you look at an example like this, uh, spending 1.1 billion, it's still having an uncertain future until the Canadian government essentially bails you out. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Um, and if we, if we look at some of the the ongoing expansion that they that they have, they still definitely have a lot of growth. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the majority of their sort of capital expenditure is on natural gas pipeline, which we've talked about before, seems to be uh, the direction of the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, their Elba Island uh, liquid natural gas export facility in Savannah, Georgia, near Savannah, Georgia, that's a $2 billion project, which is partially financed with a joint venture from a private equity firm. That's coming online uh, in the middle of this year with long-term con- contracts with Royal Dutch Shell, and then will be fully up to speed by mid-next year. So they're already going to start to get a return on that yep. money. Uh, they're growing their oil business, investing 1.3 billion there, um, and investing in uh, CO2 assets and terminals. And terminals are becoming increasingly important, especially as we talk about you know fracking. Yeah. Uh, and as the U.S. becomes for really the first time seriously a, a major exporter. Yeah, and you've seen the the price, the spread between you know West Texas Intermediate and Permian Oil rapidly expand because there's just so much oil being produced in the Permian, they can't get it out. So the oil, therefore, is being sold at cheaper rates. So maybe there's some some room for growth there. But I'm sure they'll find a way to spend that money. Mm-hmm. If not, shareholders might yeah, get a special it. dividend check mm-hmm. one of these days. Who knows? Um, one expansion project, just to kind of highlight uh, as for these higher returns mm-hmm. goal, the Natural Gas Pipeline Company of America um, that they're doing an expansion project with in a joint venture with Brookfield Infrastructure Partners, which we've talked about a ton recently yes, on the show. Great company. Um, it's only a three hundred million expansion project that could generate ninety million in incremental earnings per year, which is incredibly impressive. Yeah, quick payback period. Yes. <laughs> um, but as you mentioned, it looks like it could be, you know, a lot of shareholder friendly moves, potentially repurchases and buybacks. Um, I've heard rumors about Enbridge's Canadian midstream assets being on oh. the chopping block that they might be interested mm-hmm. in. Um, but overall, as you said, for this company, it's just a really good uh, shot in the arm and their balance sheet's going to look a lot healthier. It should, yeah, if they utilize it properly. Um, so before we're going to talk a little bit more about Kinder Morgan, but before we do, I would like to thank our sponsor for today, uh, LinkedIn. A business is only as strong as the people it hires, and every hire matters. So don't settle for posting and hoping the right person will find your role and apply. LinkedIn is more than the world's largest personal network. It's also the best way to find great talent. Because LinkedIn considers skills, experience, location, and more to match and promote your job to potential candidates, Businesses rate LinkedIn jobs 40% higher than job boards are delivering quality candidates. I know from a previous job that you can post a position to a jobs board, you check it occasionally, and often you don't find the candidate that you're looking for. But with 70% of the US workforce already using LinkedIn, and 22 million professionals viewing and applying for jobs on LinkedIn every week in every industry, it's a great place to look for talent. Go to linkedin.com slash full and get a $50 credit towards your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash full for your $50 credit. Terms and conditions apply. 
Fun fact following that ad, yes. we have more jobs available than job seekers in this country right now. Oh, Isn't wow. That fun? Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's a good market to be in. Absolutely. <laughs> I remember when I left college, that was not the case. Not the case. The <laughs> it was probably polar the, opposite. Yeah, the worst time <laughs> to be looking for a job. So, uh, all you grads out there, uh-huh. your excuses, they don't fly so Negotiate that pay. So, we were talking before we started the show about uh, kind of how surprising this whole thing was um, and the, the fact that the Canadian government, as you said, they still have to sell this mm-hmm. to somebody. They're not planning on becoming pipeline operators. Right. Um, I have a question for you. Yeah. Who who would you, who do you think that they would sell it to? Um, it's a good question. One that's really hard to ask uh, answer, but it would have to be a big company mm-hmm. in order to drop that amount of cash because you would have to expect that. Even though it's a government, they're probably reluctant to sell it at a loss. Um, I, I wouldn't write that off entirely, but uh, I would say, you know, you're looking at companies of the size of Enbridge or TransCanada, um, who have also both been kind of burned uh, mm-hmm. in terms of pipeline expansions within the country. So maybe seeing the the visibility of this one now, maybe that encourages them to take a closer look. Maybe partners with the government or a joint venture between some bigger companies, or a company along the lines of Brookfield Infrastructure Partners would be yes. outside of uh, something that they've traditionally done in terms of the size of this mm-hmm. deal, but maybe they partner with somebody else uh, in order to make this happen because they've been freeing up a lot of cash on their balance sheet lately. They think they have about $4.2 billion in, uh, in in liquidity. So that almost gets them there, but it, it would surprise me if they took it on entirely themselves. Yeah, that if, would be if a, that was the way that this all shook out. It would be a big hit, I'm yes. sure. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's interesting because it's quite a compelling if it can if they can get over the risk in terms of the delays etc that will be inevitable mm-hmm. navigating the political waters for this. Um but you know, I know that it was it had 15 year contracts all sold out yeah. when they first announced it. BP was a big initial uh investor so um the finance minister last week going on what you said they're not looking to make a profit. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not seeking to make a profit. We're seeking to ensure the project gets done. Uh, but we will always try and make sure the project represents a fair situation for uh, Canadians. So, yes, as you said, incredibly interesting. Um, the other point that I wanted to make and get kind of get your opinion on as somebody that's been following the company for a long time is that for me, Kinder Morgan is this interesting story situation where a couple of years ago they were in kind of the similar situation to GE in that they could do nothing right. You yeah. know, they, they had to cut their dividend. They were faced with a serious, um, seriously poorly weighted balance sheet um, and a lot of those other considerations. They've really slimmed down. They're focused on those profitable assets. Mm-hmm. And now uh, in this climate, I feel like a, a, a decision like this is only going to be seen as a good move. But it's just such an interesting story from where they, they have been. Yeah, they were down in the dumps. And it was right around the same time that we initially recommended the company in, in pro-Canada. Uh, we've since doubled or tripled down on it and, and watched the stock price climb back, not entirely, but um, quite significantly. And yeah, definitely some similarities there to GE in terms of the balance sheet and disruption in the business units, especially with GE so heavily in, in involved in oil and gas now with Baker Hughes acquisition. Um, But having an influx of cash like this when it was just a huge question mark and looking at it saying this is going to just continue to drag us down, uh, it's got to be a a pretty liberating feeling for everyone involved in Kinder Morgan. And from the government side, when they say they're not trying to profit, uh, I believe on the deal, no. But it was important enough for them for tax revenue purposes and job purposes Mm -hmm. that – 
they're definitely profiting in some form or fashion once this pipeline is done. Maybe not in terms of a deal price, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know Kinder Morgan is is an, another similarity to G is that the debt is structured in uh, a complex way. It, you know, I, I I'm not going to pretend that to be um, savvy on it, but yeah. it, it's it's going to be difficult, I think, for them to pay a lot, pay down a lot of their debt the way that it's structured with the funds that they're getting from this. Yeah. But there may be workarounds with kind of uh, share sales and things like that that they can. Um, that they can fund I'm it sure with. they'll figure something they out over de- there. Yes. The, the company emerged from the whole Enron debacle, so I'm sure they'll figure <laughs> something out. Uh, but one thing that might be a little different about this is is that the, the founder is still um, very very near and dear to the business, so um, maybe a little bit more emotional uh, mm-hmm. than a GE situation where everything is on the table, but maybe you don't know what to do, whereas this was more of like a survival of this, this gentleman's entire livelihood. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Something we really like here at the full founder-led yeah, businesses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that kind of finishes up our Kinder Morgan um, discussion. Yes. That really took us uh, took us by surprise. Um, so the next thing I just wanted to briefly touch on is that the U.S. government has asked Saudi Arabia and some other OPEC uh, producers to increase production of oil by about 1 million barrels per day, mm-hmm. um, which would be about a 1% global increase, a global production increase. Um, so the reason for this, we've seen prices at the pump rise, everybody I'm sure yeah. <laughs> knows this, mm-hmm. uh, a lot, and the highest rate for more than three years, and President Trump took to Twitter to complain about this. Um, <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, so OPEC, just in case anybody doesn't know, we've actually done a show on a deep dive on OPEC before, but OPEC is the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries. Uh, this includes 12 of the world's largest oil exporters, and they, along with Russia, have been setting production restrictions uh, to try and improve the mm-hmm. price of oil. Uh, so, what did you make of this? You know, it's interesting. It kind of, you know, in a roundabout way makes sense. Um, you don't often see the president pleading other countries to increase oil production unless it's going to necessarily. Um, benefit us and this this could be one of those situations just not what you typically see because generally when we've been asking for higher oil production it's because we've needed the oil now it's not the case but we do um you know it i I would be interested to see if this would have been mentioned if rex tillerson was still secretary of state given his connections to the oil and gas industry um and and just the way that president trump you know really hammered home his his approval and and support for fossil fuels during his campaign. Um, Lower oil prices is going to hurt the economy, Uh, maybe not individual pocketbooks at the pump, but it's a huge job creator. And it has been ever since the financial crisis, even even, uh, considering the latest downturn in the oil and gas markets, you're still looking at incredible job creation. And so you don't want to drive oil prices down too too terribly low um, too quickly because you could you could lose out on a lot of that and these are high paying jobs mm-hmm. so um, there's certain pockets of this country that are wondering and scratching their head and we questioning why they supported him in the first place <laughs> if he's going to come out and, and try and drive the price of oil down lower um, million dollar million barrels a day that's that's a big big uh, output boost yes um, it's interesting kind of paradox because I think people have just got used to such low prices yeah. uh, after the kind of 2014-2015 depression that we saw. Um, and that's re- that's representative of, of people's automotive purchases over the last few years where yes. light trucks have blown cars out of the water in yes. terms of automotive sales. And it's very similar to what you saw before the financial crisis, uh, before oil spiked. 
trucks were were the thing to buy, big SUVs, big trucks, and and then all of a sudden gas was four dollars a gallon, and you know we're kind of creeping up in that direction now. So don't buy a car based on the current price yeah. of gas. That's what I'm trying to say. My husband has, for the past 14 years, had a Toyota Tundra. Uh-huh. So we feel we feel. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least Toyotas generally have a little bit better gas mileage. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's a good truck. Yeah, he loves his truck. It's a good truck. Uh, I, I, I like the Tacomas and the Tundras. He will drive it until it falls apart, good. I'm sure. Um, but yes, uh, so I think some of the background for this is the Iran sanctions on crude oil have cut their output by estimated 1 million, though it's not really known yeah. exactly how much that would be. And Venezuela has run into its own problems in addition to expected cuts from OPEC. Which, um, you know, on reflection could be more to do with the rising oil prices than maybe what we've seen from yeah. OPEC. Mm-hmm. Uh, OPEC's been very slow and steady, and the oil price that we've seen could be more as a result of that. Yep. Uh, one really funny quote, somebody needs a speechwriter. The U.S. Treasury Secretary said, various conversations with various parties about different parties that will be willing to increase oil supply <laughs> to offset the impact of U.S. sanctions on the Iranian oil output, is what he said. But uh, I just thought it was it was a funny quote. Sounds like he might not exactly know what's happening. Just yeah. kind of fumbling through an explanation. Yeah, that's the impression. That's probably what people think when they listen to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, come on. She's fumbling through this. She has no oh, idea come on. We've been bumbling for 20 minutes. We're good. <laughs> Um, so, uh, investors will get more of a, a clear idea of this. OPEC will set production policy for the second half of the year in Vienna. Uh, meetings on the 22nd and 23rd of this month. I will be surprised to see, although you are the expert here, if they continue their um, production caps. Yeah, I think you know they they probably deeply want oil more expensive than it is. Yes. So uh, my guess is that there's going to have to be some concessions made on the U.S. side if indeed. That's the outcome of yep. a higher oil output from OPEC, um, because seventy-five dollars is great. It's better than thirty, but it's not eighty or ninety or a hundred. No, and that's generally what a lot of these countries need to balance their budgets. Yes, and it's it's such a uh, for consumers, for the everyday consumer, it's such a headline-grabbing thing because it's the you know American Airlines will have to put up prices of mm-hmm. uh, plane tickets because of oil prices and things like that. When you actually look at it, it's it's not a huge increase. Um, yeah, it's crazy how pe- quickly people forget that these are cyclical industries. Yes. they're not going to stay low forever. They're not going to stay high forever. Well, the other thing to remember too is that the the, uh, the airlines have had it good because oh, they, they haven't have. passed on a uh-huh. lot of those cost savings nope. to uh, consumers. So I'm I'm kind of on the fence of that. But um, it's good for some of the airlines though, because you look at uh, Spirit or Southwest mm-hmm. and the yep. discount airlines. Their main advantage was that they were discounted, but they didn't have any room to the downside to lower prices. Whereas these Deltas, the Uniteds, the Continentals of the world. Um, they were milking those high prices, and so they did have room to lower once fuel costs did. So that kind of eroded the advantage of some of these discount airlines mm-hmm. like JetBlue as well. And so, if those if those prices rise back up and they can maintain the, or they can reestablish that advantage, maybe they're worth a look as an investor. Mm-hmm. See, so we started out talking about Kinder Morgan, and we <laughs> ended up talking about discount airlines. That's right. <laughs> That's what you get on uh, roundabout way. Energy. Uh, well, that's it from us today. Do you have anything to add, Taylor? No, I think that's a great show. Yeah. Okay, Thanks. perfect. Uh, if you would like to get in touch, please feel free to email us at industryfocus at full.com or tweet us on Twitter at MFIndustryFocus. Thank you to Austin Morgan uh, for producing the show, wearing your caps attire, is it? Go caps. <laughs> Go, Go caps. caps. Uh, as always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. For Taylor, I'm Sarah Priestley. Thanks for listening. I'm Fool. Rock the race! Run!
Go Red!